0: Welcome back to another session of Sports Sesh. I'm Guy Young, and these guys are just guys. Now, I want to just jump right into hot topics.
1: Earliest memory of Dirt, it was probably probably a year he was playing with Steve Nash. I kept hearing somebody named Dirt, I, like with a T. So I was like, why there a dude named Dirt in the league?" And then I, you know, I found out he was actually pretty good. So.
0: It's Jake, it's the four-pointer, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. If you're looking for uh, some possession-by-possession breakdowns of the Cavaliers game, you're probably not going to get it. Or uh, just working through the road trip, the ups and downs, I'm not really going to... I ain't got time for that today, I'm sorry. Uh, Because the, the future of the Dallas Mavericks franchise took a drastic turn upwards towards the sky. On, uh, what was it, Thursday? Thursday afternoon, about 3.30,
1: 30 2.30 here. Yeah. I only know that because it was our final segment, and oh, I yeah. only know that because it was about two and a half hours after uh, I first saw the reports from Woj about mm-hmm. uh, KP's meeting with <laughs> the Knicks Brass. <laughs> yeah. Which- uh,
0: It's it's funny how those things like get out and what timeline they actually hit the airwaves on because people will go, oh, he asked for a trade one hour ago and you traded him within the hour? And it's like, that's that's not really how that works at all. Yeah. Um, This has clearly been brewing to the point where um, that was probably the, what, step like four of, hey, step one, I I don't want to be here. Okay, well, step two, we got a new coach. We got uh, some young guys. You still don't want to be here? Okay. Step three, yeah, we we only won 10 games this year. And then there's probably the fourth meeting where it's like, no, I wasn't kidding. Those three other times, like, I'm too good to be here. And uh, so, yeah, Chris Porzingis is a Dallas Maverick now. Um, don't know if he'll play the rest of the season at all. That's uh, getting some very weird answers along those lines uh, as we try and dig deeper. But this is a big, messy, uh, nasty, franchise-altering trade both directions, I feel. Um, so let's get into it. Let's break down all of it, uh, see how long... Uh, or how far through it we can get in about an hour's worth of time, and uh I guess first off, man, this is exactly the kind of thing I wanted to happen once you once you get Luca in the fold and I, I don't know if I said this on here or on uh ceiling is the roof whenever me and Bobby kind of do our hold our hand up to the thermometer thing that we do every about once a month, but now that you have Luca. Every year that you're not making the playoffs is a wasted year to me. And so your timeline has shifted drastically. And I've heard people on both sides of this trade go, well, they gave up too much. Well, they, you know, they got away with the steals, highway robbery. And to me, being a Mavericks fan and knowing the the avenues of which you can acquire a top 20 player, number one, it's not easy work. And number two, there's just not that many ways to do it if you're not if you don't have New York on the front of your jersey or Los Angeles on the front of your jersey. Or by the way, you know, I don't
1: think it works in New York anymore. It might not. It might it's been not. a long time since that's worked for them.
0: This this summer might change. Aaron that. Williams
1: and Brooklyn, maybe, but
0: yeah, it's just it's it, the Mavericks. I, I know what you mean. Obviously, they're they're the smallest of the big markets, right? And so when you're the fifth the fifth bird in the nest whenever the mom's like feeding, like you get the, you get the scraps, right? You get the, uh, you're the, you're the runt. You're the run of the, the big dogs. And there's about three teams in LA that seem super fun to play for. So what I'm trying to say is free agency. Hasn't been super kind to us. We've won more than, um, I might've anticipated coming out of 2011. If I would've gotten to this point and said, Hey man, you got Chandler Parsons. Hey man, you got Harrison Barnes. Hey, you know, you've won a couple. Um, I might have been surprised, but that's a long way of saying that there just aren't that many ways in this league to add to your roster without long-term, very severe
1: consequences, a top 20 player.
0: And I feel like we just did that.
1: Yeah, I would have been interested to see how it would have worked without making a trade because I just I don't think the sample size is large enough. Everyone wants to say – or uh, big big time free agent never comes to Dallas. I mean, Mike Reiner says it. You know, sp- spanning back thirty years. Yeah, and even then, you're only really talking about like eight or nine cases. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like you have ten guys you're trying to sign every year that are big enough to where you can, you know, really fully pursue all of them. I mean, obviously, there's no evidence that uh, to support my case, but they really only tried like four or five times to quote sign a big name free agent uh during Dirk's career because Dirk was making a lot of money yeah and by the time that um you know they were where they had money to do it he I the reality is is he was obviously viewed as not that appealing of a player to team up with at that point whether we agree with that or not I mean I would think most of those guys would probably like that decision back yeah whether it's d12 or uh or Melo, Chris Paul. Yeah, I mean, a lot of those guys, I really do think if they would have had to do it over again, that Chris Paul and Dwight Howard would have loved to have found a way to get here when Dirk was 32, 33. But for whatever reason, that's obviously not what they wanted to do. But I don't think that necessarily means that Dallas would have never had a chance. And I think that to prove that, I would have – this is obviously fine, but I would have liked to have seen what it would have looked like if they just went out into free agency with Luka. Yeah. Because as I've written in a bunch of different articles, and we've mentioned on here – uh, I really just—I don't think there's a player in the league that you can look at and say he's going to elevate the play and the production of those around him more than Luca over the next ten years. Mm-hmm. So I think they probably could have taken their money back, you know, out onto the market this offseason and had at least a better chance than they ever had whenever they had a 33-year-old big who was clearly on the back nine. Um, but it doesn't matter now, and I—I I don't think that's totally unrelated because I don't think they make the trade. For a guy, unless they think that that guy is interested in staying here for the exact same reasons that I think they would have had success in free agency.
0: And the other side of the coin, right? They're not getting positive feedback from this free agency class, maybe. Yeah. Maybe maybe everyone's going to coasts, you know, like. Or staying. Yeah. Or just staying where they are. I mean, they're good teams. They're players (laughs) on good teams that have no reason to necessarily leave.
1: This is certainly a more certain path, even though you're giving up a lot more than you would in free agency. Oh, right. It's more certain because they're in house, you have bird rights, you have the ability to let them play, you know, and see the organization and see that it's not the S show that the Knicks are. And so yeah, I don't I don't think that they make the move without intel on both free agency and on Porzingis's intentions. Yeah. Maybe not a hundred percent either way, but you at least have an inkling. And I feel like Cuban went out of his way today <laughs> to be like, no, we're a. Uh, we're yeah, get done. Yeah, I mean sitting, it was it was well, kind of shocking. He was only going to do a qualifying. Right. So. It was kind of
0: shocking sitting there cuz I was front row. Like I was as close as you could possibly be uh, cuz I had a camera and I was trying to get, you know, like really cool like, you know, cinematic shots of these guys as they're talking and all that kind of stuff. And I'm front row and Cuban just just he's signing.
1: Signing my car. He's signing.
0: going to sign right here. And I was like, "Whoa." I was like, "All right, bro. Uh no pressure, I guess." Um Okay, so let's talk about what they got, I guess. Um, the psychology of the deal is what it is. I think we just gave you kind of, I, what, I was, what I was trying to build towards was, uh, so I heard uh, Nate Duncan's podcast, right? Big fan of Nate Duncan. Big fan of Danny LaRue. Um, if you have an appetite for more just in general league coverage podcasts, could not recommend Dunked On NBA Podcasts enough. Uh, really smart guys. Um, know what they're talking about know the numbers, literally like make their own cap sheets uh, to keep themselves honest and things like that. Uh, just fantastic work they do. One, one day they'll be, they'll, those two dudes will be like the next Hollinger, right? Media dudes that get hired by teams. Um, and I heard them, I was listening to their podcast, they put out the first one, right? Because they were recording when this happened and they like kind of posted immediately. Um, and their reaction was Mavs gave up too much. It's Dennis Smith Jr., it's, it's Wesley Matthews, it's DeAndre Jordan, and it's two first round picks, which I'm assuming are 2021 and 2023, with some kind of protection on one of them, is what I've heard. I still haven't gotten the finite, right, granular specifics on what the trade protect, or the pick protection is, but that's what I've heard. Um, and they basically were of the mind that we gave up too much to get Chris Stapps Porzingis, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., Courtney Lee um and Trey Burke. And Trey Burke's very important in this. Like I know people don't think about Trey Burke in that fashion um because I don't know, he seems like a a post hype kind of sleeper type dude. Um but Trey Burke's a very good player and we needed a point guard. <laughs> so Trey Burke's more important than Courtney Courtney Lee to me in this trade. Um but they were saying, "Okay, well you're taking back a player who hasn't played in a year." Um and you're taking on what they would refer to as bad salary. Uh, For the Knicks, it was bad salary. For us, I don't know if Tim Hardaway Jr.'s deal is bad salary. No, I I don't understand that at all. Yeah, because, I mean, 19 points a game, I mean, we've seen Harrison Barnes do it with relative ease uh, since his time being in Dallas, but that's nothing to, like, sneeze at. And being as good of a pull-up three-point shooter as he's been this season, in your average starter in the league makes 16 and your average starter in the league does not score 19 points a game
1: so it's just that doesn't seem like dead salary to me yeah and the other thing about it is is that even though we're sitting here saying the Knicks haven't been able to sign anybody it's clear that to them their path back to relevance and to contending is signing two players yeah and I don't I don't think even the drunkest of Mavs fans thought we were going to get two max players to sign here this offseason right even if they were able to somehow shed uh, Barnes, or even one this offseason and one next season. Mm-hmm. No matter what you think of Luka, like, I'm sitting here saying I think they could build a good team through free agency with him. I am definitely not sitting here saying that I expected in the next 18 months the Mavericks to sign Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Right. like So that that money means a lot more to them than it does to us. Same yeah. situation with New Orleans. You know, their idea of shedding salary is not as important to them as it might be to other people because they don't have any chance of going out and signing – you know, they have to get Kuzma, Ingram, and Ball yep. because they're not going to go out and sign somebody if they're able – you know, because the idea was, oh, maybe you can get back Drew Holiday if they don't want his money. Why wouldn't they just keep Drew Holiday? Right. Like, they don't have any good players, and they're not about to go sign Max Guy. So money is not the same to everybody.
0: Yeah. And, and I applaud our front office and mainly Donnie and I'm sure Mark for just looking at themselves in the mirror and going, I always – the The rule, right, for anybody that's super successful or has a billion dollars in their bank account, is bet on yourself. Yeah, that's what they always tell. You know, that's the number. That's chapter one of autobiography that will definitely be written someday uh, by all of them. Is bet on yourself. Well, part of betting on yourself is going. Okay, this off season, I know I can woo somebody to come here and play basketball for my basketball team because I've been so successful at this. And for them to look in the mirror and go, no one's coming here in free agency the current structure that we have that turns us into a title contender quicker than adding Kristaps Porzingis does. So I'm going to go ahead and take this. I'm taking this top 20 player. And for me, the picks, I mean, you can bitch and moan about first round picks being given up. Granted, we have to space them out. So we'll probably have one next year. 2021 has gone. 2022, 2022 would be here. Twenty twenty three would be gone, right to the to the Knicks. To me,
1: this couldn't have worked out better for the assets we had. Yeah, if you think about where they were a year and a half ago when they started this whole deal with basically just having the ninth overall pick in the twenty eighteen draft, yeah. and then you know obviously the retaining their future picks. But the, if you're making this trade, it's obviously because you think that your picks, uh, for the duration, which is you know basically four and a half years none of them will be in the top half of the draft. Right. Uh, I mean, that's kind of why you you make the pick for Luke. You make the trade for Luka also. So to me, you know, they basically said we have the ninth overall pick in 2018. Uh, and at this point, it would, had it already been realized into Dennis Smith Jr. And then the third overall or the fifth overall pick in 2019. And then three more picks that I think will all probably fall between 16 and, God forbid, 30. Mm-hmm. And if you're telling me that you're going to trade five picks, a nine, a five, and three in the back half of the draft for Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and Luka Doncic, then you absolutely do that. Yeah. Like, 100% of the time. Everybody would give up five. You'd probably give up five top ten picks for those two dudes, much less a five, a nine, and three that if it works. Oh, dude, ask,
0: ask Orlando. Yeah, I mean. Ask Sacramento. Yeah. Like, would I give up five to six straight? first-round picks to have Luca and Chris Apps on my team. of freaking loot.
1: Because the only way that you're, really, if you think about it, the only way you're going to get value back is if you hit on, like, 80% of that. So yeah. you get a superstar at five, you get a borderline superstar at nine, and then, like, you're going to have to get maybe another borderline superstar at 17 or 18 to make that value all worth it. Mm-hmm. And, and it- so, yeah, you know, it's obviously facilitated by the fact that you're also giving up deandre and uh and west but i mean that doesn't matter in this deal at all
0: no that's that's irrelevant i mean west thank you thank you for your minutes thank you for your games sure Thank you for what you've done here. Like
1: that doesn't figure into the math of the deal at all. Though.
0: Zero. zero. I, I don't. I don't like to make players into like numbers completely because that that gets uncomfortable when I have to like talk to these dudes on a every other day basis. Well, but,
1: whenever they have three months left with a certain, certain team, yeah, and yeah. that team that you just traded him to is already trying to move him to another team. <laughs> yeah, and not because they're bad, but just because it would work better for everybody. Yeah, you don't have to feel all that bad about
0: it. Yeah, and DeAndre, that was the the shortest era of mass basketball. <laughs> I know the, I know he's a fan favorite for a lot of people. Um, really fun guy to be around. You know, livened up the the pregame in the in the locker room quite a bit. But I mean, there there's no choice, man. The one I, the one that hurts the one I don't even say hurts because the deal we made was such a home run to me. Um, the Dennis thing is tough. and I think he'll be great in New York. Like I want that dude to be legit, like flirting with an Eastern Conference All Star. Uh, I mean, I see a a lot of D'Angelo Russell parallels oh for sure um to Dennis right now he's playing great yeah he's heated an all-star heated heated his own team yeah and I I see a lot of that if the Knicks start building you know wisely or you know even if they get a couple uh if they get what they think they're gonna get uh, in free agency the Dennis thing kind of hurts but there's no other way for the Dallas Mavericks there there wasn't another offer or a situation in which we could get a player of Chris Tapps
1: Porzingis's status yeah and not only that, it's almost like you can't say this without it being an indictment of Dennis. But obviously, the value of Porzingis is higher because he plays a different position. Like whenever people mm-hmm. would ask me, "Oh, so you think Luca and uh, DSJ can work together? Would you trade DSJ for like Mo Bamba?" I'm like, you know, I probably would, and it's not because this can't work. It's just that that would work easier. Yeah, you know, it's not. It doesn't mean it definitely couldn't have worked. But I'm not a dummy. I can also tell you that I'd rather have. Uh, one guard and one center, <laughs> right. then I would even rather have, hell, I'd probably rather have Chris Stapps and Luka than I'd rather have Klay Thompson and Luka. And I don't think Klay Thompson needs the ball. I right. think he'd be a perfect fit next to him, but I'd still rather have a big and a guard than two guards. Well, and with the lineup a lineup like gar- that. guard and a wing, yeah. Yeah,
0: and with a lineup like that where you can literally, I mean, it's going to be difficult. Not difficult. It, putting together a starting lineup that makes the most sense to you is a little bit of a quagmire right now. Um, even game one next year, if you play Porzingis at five and Luca at whatever you want to call Luca, because Porzingis basically plays a four offensively.
1: I think Maxi can handle that fine, man. Yeah, no, I personally, I don't know where the conversation on him is, if this changes it at all. But I think especially if, if you're not having to, if you don't end up giving the full offer this off season, I think. That Maxi fits very oh, well yeah. next to Porzingis because yes. they can both basically flip both ends of the floor at five and four. Mm-hmm. You know, you're technically, I guess, kind of playing Maxi at the four, but he's protecting the rim a lot of the time. Right. I mean, he plays three offensively a lot of the time. That's true, especially when they're just spotting him in the corner with certain lineups. But but it's it's hard. It's hard to like put a
0: traditional like whenever people ask for okay, what's your one through five? It's hard to like uh, start listing people by. Attributes and how they relate to each position in your in your mind of how they've you know played out in the the however many hundred years not hundred years sixty years of NBA basketball prior to this and it's just like it doesn't make sense because we can play positionless basketball basically in four of the positions and with Luca being able to play point offensively or whatever you want to call wing um, defend the three Porzingis protecting the rim playing the five. Or offensively shooting the three like you can fit it wouldn't surprise me if they signed anybody yeah this offseason
1: yeah it will Literally be any position yeah I would possible. say Luca like I said not only is a guy who's poised to make everyone else around him better just because of how many how he creates open looks how he creates unguarded looks how he gets looks at the rim he gets looks at the three but his versatility is obviously also huge for that and I would say that Porzingis is the big man flip side of that yeah he's the big man version of that I mean they you're right they could go sign Capella yeah you know if Capella was available and that would make just as much sense as it would if they signed another guy that was more of a wing and played the four it'll be interesting to see too um that they have to make they might have to make some of these decisions this offseason and Barnes is almost certainly still going to be here and I think this might actually end up helping him oh um, yeah at least in the in the short term but he's it's very unlikely that he's going to be here in like 3 years, right? I mean, I personally, I don't you don't have to say it, but I mean, it depends on what he wants money-wise. But it would almost be I'm so rabid right now that I would almost rather see him opt out, take a lesser deal this off-season and then see what the next version of another wing they can bring in this off-season is. The way it is, they kind of have to wait a year to figure out what that third piece is going to be, probably. I mean, who knows?
0: Yeah, and it's whenever you're starting to piece together a lineup, you're not even looking for, like, entire players as defined by positions. You're looking at just specific traits, it's right? skills, yeah. It's like I wouldn't think it's crazy if Dwight Powell started with Porzingis and Luka. No. Because Dwight Powell has been awesome with Luka on the court. Like, those two, instant offense, like, that's athleticism.
1: There was a oop the other night, that Cleveland game. It was – Yes,
0: and when that's the one thing, so you start working through how these these two man units affect five man units in your head, right? And okay, if Porzingis is gonna float to the three point line most of the time and drag the other big out, then it might help to have a super athletic four out there, right? That can dive. That just that's all this guy wants to do. Well, we got one of those already. Yeah, we got that guy. So that wouldn't surprise me that much if Dwight Powell was um, your starting four next to Porzingis and Luke, and it wouldn't surprise me either if Maxi's out there. I think it kind of depends on matchup almost. And if you, want to, if you want Powell to be that parlor trick that you roll out seven minutes into the first quarter, and you just go out there and, okay, well, they're playing a slow lineup against us, so let's throw Dwight Powell at the four and have Porzingis drag the other big out to the three-point line and just carve him up. Have shooters, have Hardaway Jr. and another shooter, if it's Barnes or whatever it is, stand along the three-point line. Yeah, you're going to die. You're gonna get drugged out to the deep end and like suffocated with that lineup.
1: It also helps to probably mention that even though uh, Porzingis is only 23 now, mm-hmm. the reality is that even healthy big man, uh, big man, not they don't play as much as he was playing before consistently. Like so, it it would certainly help to still have both Maxi and Dwight. I think for the next few years, mm-hmm. because I don't really want uh, Porzingis playing 34 minutes a night. Yeah, I think you want it closer to thirty, probably. And and I think even if you look at the big men who play the most right now, even that don't have bodies like he has, um, which you know you have to consider the fact that he has been injury prone. He has for sure. Um, I mean, but ten, like Jokic plays thirty-one four, right? And I think that's a that's you know good target. That's about what you want. I don't. And his yeah, well, you, you said he was just over thirty-four the last couple of years.
0: Uh, no, missed ten games his first year. What seventeen or sixteen his second season. And then, uh, obviously, last year he played 48 before the ACL tear. But so 32 four.
1: So I don't know. I would just like to sit right at about 30 minutes, just so you don't push it. Yeah. And you can definitely feel a lot more comfortable doing that if you have a couple of other uh, well, bigs the, who have those sort of traits that can do whatever. Like well, Nurkic the, plays 37 four, for example. Guys like right. The the
0: trick is to 27 four. Yeah, 27 four for Nurkic. the The trick is to have enough depth at that position where you don't have to play him, like, 34 minutes in consecutive nights, right? Yeah. Like, if you had a, a back-to-back like this weekend, if it's Sunday, Monday, like, pick your game. You want him to play his 33 minutes. The other one is 28, 29. And you can definitely do that with, with how deep we are now. With with Maxi, with Dwight Powell, with, you know, if you want Sala to come in there and mix things up for five minutes. I think that's, that's the thing that I think trainers and head coaches think about, right? Because that's how you get injured. Like, you can watch most Achilles tears or – you know, major lower, uh, lower extremity injuries. If you just look at a a line graph and you see how many minutes this guy has been playing and it's kind of ramping up, ramping up like boogies, AC or Achilles tear was, it was after a overtime game and it was like the 35th minute of a game. It was, you, you should have seen it coming. If you're the Mavericks, he doesn't play those minutes because Casey Smith knows this and he probably comes over there and he's like, Hey, get this dude out but that's also you know the player kind of dictating his minutes probably in certain situations etc but um that's what coaches and and trainers think about whenever they think about big dudes and minutes restrictions and how to use them on back-to-backs and things like that but um the Mavericks are really good at that by the way they are they're they're one of the cutting-edge teams in that regard and sometimes you know Rick won't have great uh explanations for why a lineup was out there or why something was out there um a lot of times it's just the science says don't do it yeah or this guy needs to sit or you know whatever it is so um i guess let's talk about what we got specifically um oh to wrap up my point earlier i guess uh so a lot of people were saying they overpaid According to okay, the two first round picks, the Dennis Smith Jr., which is a you know top ten pick, um, the salary going out is whatever it is. I think everybody kind of understands how that works. It's 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 coming from a place of people that aren't that familiar with the Mavericks. I don't feel they're familiar with our 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 games that we play, the eighty two games, but they aren't familiar with us living through these off seasons and going. There's no other way for us to add a talent like this, so. Listening to Dunked On and then jumping over and listening to Sam Bassini's podcast, um, I think it's called a Game Game Theory podcast. It was so starkly different, uh, because Dunked On was like, man, they overpaid for this. They're really gonna be hating that Hardaway contract, and the two firsts is gonna haunt them. And then I, I literally flip over to Sam Bassini and listen to him, and it happens live on his podcast, and he is like, oh my god, what a freaking steal! <laughs> and I'm like, how did two people that are so smart think so differently about this deal? And I think, and I figured out what it is. Dunked on has this blind spot for dudes that miss entire seasons. Like they did this with Kawhi last year. Whenever he started si- like sitting, they were like, "Who's going to trade anything for Kawhi?" And I'm like, "Me? Yeah, I'll trade whatever
1: you want, both. Yeah, let's go. Let's go." There's a difference between looking at the way that Rajon Rondo's body is starting to break down, and saying, "Ah, look, this guy's missing a lot of games. I'm not sure if he what if he's what he used to be." And looking at guys who are 23. 24, 25, 26, and the way their injuries have gone, and I'm not totally certain either that uh, if the Knicks were not more competitive this year, that Porzingis wouldn't already be playing. Right. It'd be interesting to see how that shakes out with, uh, yeah, with uh, the rest of this year. But I mean, yeah, I remember going back to the Rondo trade at the time, whenever he was 20 when Dallas acquired him and he had missed a lot of time in the previous three seasons. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a little different. If you're 28, you've already been playing that many minutes as opposed to you've played two and a half NBA seasons. Right. And you're 23 or in Kawhi's case. That's not quite the same as, hey, look, this guy's body's breaking down. To yeah. me anyways. And I'm not going to say that
0: Chris Depps is going to play this season or that he's fine right now and they're just taking a very cautionary approach. Um I'm just going to tell you what he said and what I know, which is he said he feels great. And I also know that he's practicing basically normal. Like he's not really limited in any way. Um, I don't know if he's going full five on five, but he's practicing basically like a normal guy would.
1: Yeah. It, the videos I've seen, I mean, he posted some stuff a couple weeks ago. Um, which was before he started posting things about how you'll soon know the entire <laughs> truth on Instagram, which is, yeah, that's, that's kind it's of like, my, that's my beat. Yeah. It's <laughs> some cryptic back black drops. Soon you'll all know the What did it right. say? It said something like that.
0: Soon you'll know the truth. Yeah. Stay woke. Ah. um, Yeah. He, he seems to have a bone to pick with the Knicks organization, which, you know, line forms to the left. I love I would, the, fr- I the Frank.
1: The Frank I tweet was like, you can't call. Porzingis a coward for wanting out he's uh been uh dismayed with the direction of the Knicks for at least two years I'm like yeah. two years I was like the <laughs> Knicks have sucked since my parents got divorced because I remember the last time I remember watching the Knicks and thinking they were good was absolutely NBA on NBC Sundays with my with my yeah. dad in like 1991 uh, yeah. or 92 Allen Houston dude before th- I mean Alan I Houston guess Allen Houston years but like, what's the best team they've had besides the 2012? I mean, it's Ewing. Uh,
0: who's the guy that shot him out of the NBA Finals? Little dude. Starks? Starks. John Starks. That's the best team, right? Larry 20,
1: Johnson. 2012, obviously, the, the Tyson year. Yeah, Tyson, they won Amare, games.
0: Mello. Yeah, and they will not shut up about it. Like, that's that's the best. That's that's their championship season. <laughs> Yeah, 50, pretty much 54 wins i guess they got to the second round and got bounced yeah they um, did tyson won defensive player of the year Melo was awesome he had one of his, the best shooting years of his career uh jr pipe god was there and amare uh i guess kind of healthy amare was there but uh, yeah interesting team
1: so uh, yeah I, yeah you can't but although it is an interesting conversation like it's not really as applicable to the mavericks but just this is a historic situation Yes. Where a player on their first contract a superstar, an all star has forced their way out basically of a team. Yeah. Um now it's a lot of it's on the team, but I mean, people are getting on to Davis. Dude, he's been in New Orleans for six and a half years. Yeah. And you hear this a lot with people who don't maybe don't follow the NBA super closely about Luca. And I'm like, that just doesn't happen. It really does not happen that a guy just says, ah, I don't like it here. I want to leave until they've been there for Usually longer than six and a half years. Usually it's seven mm-hmm. at minimum. Yeah, And I still think, I mean, I don't know, I guess this trade could happen during our show, but I wouldn't be surprised if they have to wait until the offseason to move. Oh, yeah. Davis. They, that could easily happen. For the health of their seven, franchise, four years. they should.
0: For the health of their their future and their franchise, they should wait until the off season to move him.
1: And find out who has the picks?
0: Yes. Who's got the picks? What does Boston want to do Basically, give Zion or we're not doing this. Yeah, that's that's a pretty simple phone call to make um once you figure out if the knicks have you know the first overall pick which they would right now because they have the worst record in basketball um but anyway so porzingis um he was when he came out right okay so he could have gone third i think that was the okafer that was the 76ers don't remind me bro (laughs) so he goes he goes fourth (laughs) it all
1: goes back to that that there if you just go through the drafts that the Seventy Sixers had opportunities to nail, yeah, and like they've obviously got a couple dudes who are gonna be elite, yeah, and, or already are, but man, they had a couple of swings and misses that just Okaford, could have turned this entire thing around. Fultz
0: getting almost nothing during those guys Sixers careers. Pretty fantastic management, if you ask me. But Dude, if uh, they
1: had Porzingis, <laughs> Embiid, and Jason Tatum, oh,
0: woo. My God. And they would still have Simmons. They'd still have Simmons, yeah. That's the thing. That's the thing about having all those picks, I guess, is you can you can whiff on that hurts, almost man. half of them or more than half of them. But uh, anyway, so Porzingis goes fourth, right, back in that draft. And super interesting guy. You hear him, you know, he's three. He's from Latvia. The thing I remember hearing, and this is probably, what is this? This is 2014-15. Uh, 15 draft, I guess, which is probably when my – obsession with kind of like draft scouting and what people thought about it began because we really weren't (laughs) in that universe for a super long time. Um, And we started getting back into it because we weren't winning as many games and the draft became more important. We actually had our first round picks for a while there. But uh, the thing I remember everyone that I gave a crap about their opinion saying about Porzingis was, okay, the size is super intriguing, right? the The shot blocking is there as you would expect for a guy at seven three with whatever wingspan he has. Um, intelligent guy, plays with swag. You know, he's got the Euro Macho Man type uh, edge to him. He had cornrows once. <laughs> he had cornrows as a young tot. The thing I remember everyone saying is he can shoot the piss out of the basketball, and that's, that that might have been the first time I heard somebody say that. <laughs> and I think it was Mike Schmitz um, from then Draft Express. He was like. Watching this guy in an open gym, he just shoots the piss out of the basketball, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I've never, he, I'd never heard Smiths like use that kind of terminology about a player, and I was like, okay, I'm intrigued, and come to find out, yeah, he can. Um, at seven three, he's got an unblockable shot, right? because uh, the release point is so high. Um, he is <laughs> standing next to him today and talking to him and his brother for a second. Who is his agent, by the way?
1: Uh, whose name is Giannis? Um, Spelled. Jay, yeah, Giannis. See, I, I sometimes wonder too. Like with Kawhi, I wonder if having a a uncle or brother. I wonder if he had a regular agency if this goes down. No, and that's. I don't. We talked about this. Me and you. Me you know, on Friday. I thought maybe, but
0: I've talked about this with Bobby a handful of times. Right? Is you find you look at these, like, like we did whenever we traded for Nerlens. Right? You look at situations and you find, okay, here are five situations of guys that are going to get moved that I think have value. Okay, which one makes the most sense? Which one makes sense on the cap sheet? Which one can he actually trade for? Make the numbers match? And Porzingis was one of the options that we were looking yeah. at this offseason. And I, because he was reaching free his end of his uh, rookie contract, he was going to be restricted. Does New York want to lock him up long-term? Does he want to be in New York long-term? Oh, his brother's his agent. <laughs> so he there's no... Playing nice, right? Like his. It's not like he's with a giant, you know, uh, Rich Paul agency CAA or, or whatever. Yeah, or clutch. Yeah, there's no one. His brother doesn't owe anything to the Knicks, right? So if he gets to his restricted free agency and the Knicks don't want to, you know, give him the number they want, what's keeping him from going? Okay, I'm either taking the qualifying offer or you move me. So that made a lot of sense, and I thought that was going to happen this this summer. I thought. Okay, keep an eye on this. Um, obviously the Mavs have a lot of cap space, uh, a little bit less now, but just keep an eye on the trajectory of our franchise has train has changed drastically. This guy probably wants out. He probably has some level of relationship with Luca. I know he has a relationship with Dirk, and his his brother's his agent, and he doesn't owe anything to anybody. Yep, he's not beholden to you know uh, a a front desk somewhere. Um.
1: So, which the Knicks are not used
0: to, (laughs) right? Right, and I, I thought this was going to happen this off season. I thought these discussions were going to happen,
1: uh, you know, June. I will give you credit for before the season, uh, it was about a month in saying that you wanted to offer the max to him this off season. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, I remember you saying that for sure.
0: Like I, that was that was always plan A for me. Like of the realistic things I thought we could do, we could get done with the the assets we had and the money we could uh give to people. Long term Porzingis was what's he if nothing if nothing absolutely just rattles your cage in terms of a trade or, you know, none of this free agency stuff is looking like it's gonna go your way. If nothing can beat Porzingis, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Um and that's a pretty high bar for me, honestly. I think the dude's like probably a whenever healthy, whenever going right Top twenty player in the in the league to me, um, and maybe the maybe the most unique skill set, and that's saying <laughs> that's saying right there with Giannis, that's saying right there with Ben Simmons, that's saying right there with all these dudes that have size and can do freaky things, um, right there with Luca now, um, so I've thought about this pretty in depth, uh, coming into this season and keeping an eye on it long term. So I'm super familiar with the dude and what his situation is what his money situation is what his restricted situation is his brother being his agent his history with Luca and Dirk and how it all just made a lot of sense in the long term so what what the player himself what what he brings on the court i guess the quickest way i can wrap it up is or put him in a uh you know a very quotable little blurb is He was the best rim protector in basketball last year by percentage, by defensive field goal percentage, and he was the second best catch-and-shoot player in basketball. That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't happen. That just simply does not happen in the history of the NBA.
1: I went and looked at our shot quality statistics Mm -hmm. in 2017-2018 for defensive his impact on shots, so basically the shots he faced, how often they usually go in and how often they went in. If you filter for the top 100 players and just shots faced, number one is Embiid, number two is Brow, number three is Giannis, number four is Horford, and this is last year Horford. Mm-hmm. This year, not so much. <laughs> number <laughs> five Important is K- KD, and number seven is Porzingis. Number yes. six is Porzingis. Seven is Gobert. Eight is Gasol. So he's ahead of those guys, and he's right in there. I mean, he's he was... Six in the league and his impact on shots, which yep. is insane,
0: yeah, I mean, I don't want to say we've never ever seen a skill set like this, but you've never seen this combination of blocking three shots a game and hitting forty percent on three with what did he have five attempts a game four point eight attempts a game it doesn't it doesn't happen, and the things that that skill set opens up for you when you're five, can drag people out to the three-point line and protect the rim. And then you throw Luca in there. And Luca's already, like, just an electric offensive producer. Whether it's finding guys on the opposite corner, whether it's just making the simple teardrop bucket, wherever the ball needs to go, he's going to find that. And that was with DeAndre Jordan who was not the best pick-and-roll player uh, in his time here. A lot of times he would just kind of stay out of the way and let Luka do his thing. So whenever you have a 7'3 guy with an unblockable shot that can step out to the three-point line and a six eight point guard who is just a freight train going at the basket and his weight and his his balance is such that he can just get whatever shot he wants a lot of the time, I think those two dudes, if they're healthy, and they're both at the top of their powers. their pick and pop numbers and their pick and roll numbers are probably gonna set freaking records, yeah, in and, terms of
1: points per possession, and they shouldn't necessarily get fried on the other end either, no, and a lot of that depends on what else is around them, but as you said, it's not it's the shot uh I would rather have a <clears throat> for the same reason we were talking about earlier for the defensive end of the floor. I would rather have a big to help clean up when Luca gets beat than another another guard. Yeah. I can find I don't want to say I can find, but I could I can get another guy who can give me some perimeter defense so that Luca doesn't have to guard the other team's best guard. Right. But I'd rather have I can find that guy. If I had to choose between a slightly above average player there and elite rim protector, or an elite uh wing defender and a slightly above average rim protector, I would take the former. Yeah. And that's kind of what they got. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um because you see it at times. I mean, when Luca gets beat, he gets beat pretty far from the rim. I mean, right. It's kind of just like a
0: He gets beat where his feet stop moving. Yeah, he and then beat.
1: DeAndre not exactly super willing a lot of times helping in those situations. Um so I think it's a pretty nice fit defensively too. Yeah. And I mean,
0: yeah, it's it's and we'll see what Hardaway Junior is uh defensively, I think. Um, well, he's already got his contract, you know, so I don't know if he's like trying to make, you know, the coaching staff just super believe in him and super, you know, trying to, uh, he doesn't, there's no reason for him to like reinvent his career. I guess is what I'm saying. Right. He's a shot maker. Um, he's a good three point shooter, um, solid starting two guard in the league. So I don't know if he's going to redefine himself in the ways that Dennis kind of started to, but uh, dude, if he starts playing defense, um, the way that his size and his athleticism uh, can allow him to then you you take yourself out of that that decision of luca playing the best wing defender right it's that, that's how you do things it's never hey let's make let's let's try and make luca a shutdown wing defender no that's
1: not right that's not how you go about that you just get, keep yourself out of those situations the catch and shoot numbers were crazy to me but I yeah. think what was even more surprising, and and as you were saying, I mean sometimes you know he's basically playing as a as a small forward, mm-hmm. uh, Porzingis, which sounds insane because he's a defensive rim protector. But you know one of the things that was really frustrating about the Dennis situation wasn't so much to me; it was basically just that I I don't know if he was unwilling to do it or what, but his ability to really thrive off of screens never really came to pass Mm -hmm. he posted pretty good numbers off of screens last year but I kind of thought that cuts and screens were going to be the way that he would eventually get his offense uh and that especially with if you have willing screeners like DeAndre and you know whether it's Maxie or whoever that Smith would Smith Jr. would eventually just be like flashing open and that is as good as the preternatural just anticipation that Doncic has would get him a lot of looks. It just never really happened. Yeah. I mean, his looks came either when he was wide ass open, which he was getting a lot more of this year or whenever he was getting to the rim by himself, you know, let's see for this year. (laughs) This is like, it's almost sad. (laughs) Uh, He's charted with 26 shot attempts off screens and 19 off of cuts and was average or below average in both. The thing about Porzingis' ability to move at his height is, if you go look, there were he had the he had 131 possessions off of screens uh, in 2017 2018 in 49 games. Mm -hmm. For comparison, Steph had 203 and 51, uh, Korver had 204 and 73, so Durant had 141, only 10 more in 68 games as opposed to 49. Basically, if you were to project out how many shots he was getting considered just off screens uh, in 2017, 2018 per game, he's top five. And his points created per possession was 12th overall. Slightly above, let's see, Clay, <laughs> Paul George, Devin Booker, slightly behind uh, Kyrie, Reddick, Buddy Heald. Like that is guard offense. <laughs> yeah. 100% guard offense, and he's able to do that while also being, if you really need to dump it to him on the block, he it's can beat you up, up there too. He's a good post-up player. Like, But that's just, I mean, he, there's no reason he would not be. Yeah, there. there's no What?
0: Re- but, but
1: some dudes aren't, yeah. you know? I mean, Some dudes are also, like, either unwilling or yeah. they're only willing.
0: Yeah, they, some dudes just don't play well with their back to the basket. Like, that's just something that they never developed. Like, there's, I don't know, there's probably uh, an entire – you know, uh, arena you could fill with lottery picked bigs that can only play face up, never develop any kind of back to the basket game. The blueprint, and it's the only bl- blueprint we have thus far for how Luka basically interacts with a big, um, is what DeAndre was doing, right? So, the easiest way I can contextualize people that I guess haven't watched the NBA in the last year and haven't caught a Knicks game or, uh, you know, haven't, uh, really just paid attention to what Porzingis is or haven't taken the time to look back is okay. Think of every time that a Mavs possession is kind of stalling and the ball swings around to the top of the key and it's Deandre up there and he catches the ball and 20% of the time he turns it over. Um, Or, you know, it's uh someone's got to get wide open to swing the ball again. And then your possessions almost dead, right? Think about that. And then think about, all the times that he was super effective whenever he'd get to the basket, just put his butt on someone, turn around, and Luca is so high in the air uh, whenever he releases the pass that no one else, it's, it's almost like uh, just playing keep away, right? It's just the two tallest guys on, or the best passing guy in the court and the tallest guy in the court playing keep away. And DeAndre got, I don't know how many buckets this year, just from Luca just literally just jumping and throwing the ball at an angle that no one else in the court can get to. Well, let's add about four inches to that guy that's diving to the basket in Porzingis, or let's just turn DeAndre who's stepping out to the three-point line to facilitate swinging the ball across. Let's make that a 40% three-point shooter. Yeah. Think about what that does to your offense. Yeah, no possession should ever be dead. No, absolutely, especially not with Tim Hardaway Jr. out there too, who he's kind of the unsung hero in this. Like, I like what Trey Burke can can bring in. I hope he has, you know, I hope they find some utility for him um, and he gets some minutes. But Hardaway Jr. can create his own offense, almost unlike any other player in the league, uh, outside of, you know, some of the Splash Brothers and Steph and dudes that can basically shoot. uh, I lost the numbers, but it was, I think, on basically pull-up threes, right? So I think on... Three-plus dribbles is what I saw. He's shooting like 38%. That'll work. And that's what's changed, right, is the NBA for years was trying to generate guys coming off screens, catching the basketball, and releasing it right then. The Clay Thompson model, right, is what the NBA was trying to do. That's what a three-point shooter was. And then Steph started doing it off the dribble, and it's just indefensible. Because if you can do the step back, like Luka or like James Harden or – Basically, create your own space to get your shot off and then make that shot at a high percentage is the biggest cheat code anyone's ever seen. And Hardaway Jr. is one of those dudes. Um,
1: also a pretty good pick-and-roll player. He and Kristaps were good yeah, I see. in pick-and-roll. That's the other thing, is that sometimes well, the reason you have to have DeAndre catching the ball in the high post and doing the keep-away pass is that they didn't really have anybody else who could run an action on the other side of the floor Whereas if you have Luca and Hardaway Jr. next to one another, at least, you know, I guess it remains to be seen what it looks like next year with Porzingis, but at least in the short term, your ability to rescreen or set something up on the weak side should be way more effective. Because, again, like I said, even when Dennis Smith Jr. was scoring, it was either because he had been left open and could attack the closeout or he was just blowing past people. He still never really became an effective pick and roll player. Mm-hmm. Like he may never be as good of an of a pick and roll player as Tim Hardaway Jr. is right now.
0: Yeah. Pretty good. And and Hardaway gets the line too. Yeah, I mean Which is like people a lot of people are making jokes like are Hardaway Junior and Harrison Barnes is going to Spider Man meme each other the first time they meet. And I'm like, um, I mean if you're looking at nineteen points a game and a dude that signed a max contract, sure. If that's all you're looking at, which is very uh, you know, surface level um, kind of NBA fan. But to me, so here's the stat, right? Uh, Hardaway Jr., threes. Uh, honestly, in catch and shoots, he hasn't been that good this, this year. It's really weird. Um, so 4.3 catch and shoot attempts uh, from three, 32%. Not great. Um, off one dribble, he's taken one of those a game, 36%. Two dribbles, he takes one of those a game, 40%. Three to six dribbles, he's taken 1.2 of those a game, 43% like that's that's the reverse of what you usually see yeah that's creating your own shot and then knocking down your own shot at 43% um, so I think he's a very good very good compliment to these guys and I think he's smart enough has the pedig- he's a pedigree guy obviously um, and has been in the league and played on bad enough teams to know that I'm just not gonna do me like I need to fit in here figure out where my shots come from. There will be moments um, in Mavericks games wherever it's like, okay, this is the Barnes four minutes, right? Well, we're going to have that similar thing, but with Tim Hardaway Jr. It's probably going to be Hardaway Jr. and Barnes where it's like you guys create looks. And a lot of the times that's with Luka's not on the court and the offense is kind of stagnated and it's somebody just get cooking. Somebody just heated up. Well, we got another one of those guys, right? We've got we got a power forward one, one that plays four, and we got one that plays two now. And so that's that's pretty exciting to me. And I don't I don't that should never be like going into a game, going okay in the second quarter, five minutes in, we're gonna get so stagnant on offense and yeah. not creating, and not moving the ball well enough that Harrison Barnes is gonna take three straight shots out of ISO, but
1: you know. Best laid plans always <laughs> kind yeah, of fall apart. The other thing about is that even if he's out there with uh with Barnes, you know, I guess it's a little different now that you don't have Berea, but I mean I reference these numbers a lot, but part of the reason that his percentages on catch and shoot shots are so bad this year is because the Knicks do not get any open looks. Yeah, I mean they got Moody and
0: Neil Aquina as their points.
1: Yes. As I said earlier, the Mavericks are third in in uh percentage of their uh, catch and shoot jumpers that are on guard unguarded the Knicks are second most in guarded and if you just look at the players that are at the top of the league as far as the percentage of their shots that are considered guarded it's all the Knicks <laughs> and so it's no surprise that you know that he's struggled on that yeah. front and I think he's going to really really enjoy the difference in the offensive approach and the offensive talent around him this this last you know 30 games of the year or whatever
0: yeah and he's gonna score I don't know, fifteen, sixteen points a game, and people are going to write about how Tim Hardaway Jr.'s numbers are down, um, mm-hmm. and how he's not contributing, you know, as as much as he was in New York. And I'm going to drive to those people's houses and whoop their ass because <laughs> it's going to be dumb because he's going to be playing much more efficient basketball and like actually fitting in and not forced to take all the bad shots on a bad
1: team. Um, no I, one will come. No one who comes here will ever become less efficient. How about that? <laughs> right. Yeah. I completely Just agree. Blanket statement. So, uh
0: if you don't have anything else to say on the actual the haul we got, unless you no, I mean, I'm Qu- good. Courtney Lee's a veteran, right? He's a wing veteran, um, who caught a big contracts. Um, uh, I don't even know how many years he is into that contract. I mean, look, I don't care. Three? Yeah. I mean, good dude, veteran wing off the bench type guy. Um, he's like wing Devin Harris. <laughs> like, year three, yeah. Like I don't know another way to put it. He's like uh. Two slash three Devin Harris to me. Um, And then Trey Burke, who's actually having a really nice season, uh, very quietly contributing um, north of 10 points and just being a solid backup point guard um, is something we actually need right now. Because in some some nights when Jalen Brunson wasn't playing, it's like, all right, guys, we got a real slow lineup that doesn't have great ball movement out there. Who's going to fix this? And we didn't have an answer. So Trey Burke is low key extremely important in this. So the other night they rolled out. Um, or I guess. What do you think the the starting unit? If you if you put one together right now, what do you without Porzingis? Yeah, without without KP right now. Uh, we yeah. We can talk about the KP one here in a here in a minute. Uh, I and mean, they didn't make uh, Maxi at five right the other yeah. night. Yep. Barnes Barnes is a constant. Luke is a constant, right? And then I think Hardaway Junior is in there. So, do you, you putting Brunson out there? Like, that's, a, that's the beautiful thing about Luca, right? <laughs> is, I, is I'm going, oh, I could put another big out there to help defend and rebound. Or I could go ahead and put a small and help the ball movement.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I almost like the idea of Brunson, but they've also been staggering minutes in a way to where Luca's playing with the second unit a lot, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, I could go either way with, really, the question to me is this it's your, uh, your you're prob, Barnes, Kleba, Luca. Hardaway. And Hardaway, and now it's just a decision if you want to start Finney Smith or Brunson. Yeah. And I could see either way, and I could see them doing it from night to night in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably what the question is, is if you want to throw another wing or if you want to have another guard. I mean, I don't think, I think you could easily play, because um, you know, Finney Smith's able to guard fours enough and able to guard the perimeter that I don't have a problem with him and Barnes being your, you know, three, four, your wings, whatever you want to call it at all. Mm-hmm. I have That's fine. Yeah. Especially if they're going to, you know, hit some of their free uh, threes, which I guess that was actually aided quite a bit the other night by the fact that Clevel was hitting his also.
0: Yeah. I think that, uh, and I, when I say that, I mean the Finney-Smith starting lineup instead of Brunson. I think that causes a lot more problems for people.
1: Yeah, and it also allows Brunson to go to work on bench units whenever yep. he's out there when Lucas is or isn't. I, I tend to agree with you. I think I think that's more... If you look across starting lineups, right, I think if you
0: roll a Finney-Smith-Barnes-Kleba three four five, that size and the rebounding and the defense that Finney and Kleba... I mean, we're not going to be a heavy pace team. We're just not right now. Um, that's not our style. So might as well just double down on size, defense, and get what little rebounding you can out of Finney-Smith as opposed to flipping it and putting going with the smaller lineup because rebounding might be an issue now, just 100% perfectly honest. Maxi's never been a high rebound percentage guy. Uh, Barnes sure as heck isn't. And then Finney-Smith can be. I was going to say, I, I would say that might be – Yeah, that, that'd be your advantage right there. That'd be the edge you, that you get in rebounding where you make it up kind of on the other end. But I guess long-term, if you're – I mean, I think Porzingis is 5 – I think you start Porzingis at five. Game one game one next year, let's assume um there's not some Earth shattering free agent, which I I mean something's gonna happen this off season. I mean, even with this deal, uh, you can look at the cap sheet and tell that they have twenty nine million in space, and this seems like a really, really stinking fun place to play right now with a uh, about to be twenty year old point guard who's probably a top twelve player in the league in terms of moving forward and then a twenty three year old uh unicorn uh who I would consider a top twenty player in the league so i'm gonna i'm gonna throw you the question as if no one's coming here fully anticipating that the mavericks money this off season is more valuable than it has ever been um but what if Game
1: one next year. What do you think? Uh, I'm gonna assume. I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna say that it's not that different from what we were just saying, except that basically I have, uh, Porzingis, Kleba, Barnes, Hardaway Jr. and Luca. Yeah. I think that's probably your starting five, mm-hmm. and I think that probably means that you had to that you paid Kleba. We'll see. I. I think you could probably keep finney smith on a reasonable deal and then you have burke finney smith brunson you might even have uh jj back although that gets a little crowded depends on what devin harris wants to do Mm -hmm. uh and then Powell. that's pretty good uh there's i've seen worse the other thing that would allow you to do is it depends on what they end up doing with this porzingis offer because if he signs a qualifying offer they could sign another player or two this offseason and then go over using bird rights the next offseason for his long-term deal. Mm-hmm. That's why it would actually potentially benefit them if they don't get a long-term deal done right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, it does absorb a ton of cap space, right? It does, um,
1: and he could go somewhere else if you... Right, if
0: things don't go right perfectly. I I think I'd rather just get the long-term deal done because um, one, the quicker you get a four or five year deal done, the better that year four and five looks like a discount. Um, Whenever you get into it, whenever the cap keeps rising, Um, like, you know, like Wes's deal, right? This is the final year five, year four Four, of Wes's deal. And at the, whenever it was signed, 17 million sounded like a lot. And now average starter money is 16 and a half probably. So the quicker you sign a deal, I'm always like sign the law. Lo- if you if you valued somebody as worth keeping, if this is a guy you need to be here long term, the quicker you can sign a deal in terms of year, the quicker year four or five looks like a bargain. Right. So I'm I'm into that, and also I would just like to just lock it in.
1: <laughs> yeah i would too it just it's a you know wonders if it's a you have to wonder if they need to know more about the leg yeah or about the, the knee but i i've
0: okay here's here's my way of down, dancing around not talking about a, a
1: co-workers uh, a health situation i don't think there's any issues yeah but he did have more i mean he had some nagging stuff in new york though we have to at least oh yeah he about.
0: he was injury prone like there's no way around it um but i don't i don't see the current whatever the current situation that's keeping it keeping him out i don't think that's any kind of long-term worry
1: and they could also sign him and they could use bird rights on maxi uh and then they would either have Barnes coming completely off the books or signing a lower deal next offseason so they wouldn't be totally locked in either way because they still have a their best player making eight million dollars a year yeah and will for a few more years so if you do it right and you space it out, you can continually go, if you're willing to go into the tax, really, mm-hmm. it just it's the exact same way that Golden State has done this, right? Yeah. Is that every time someone comes up, you don't have to let someone else walk to keep them because you can continue to use their bird rights and you can continue to go further into the tax, which, uh, interestingly enough, for the longest time, the only team that paid more tax than Dallas from the time it was instituted until 2012 was the Knicks. Mm-hmm. It's not like they've been afraid to pay it. They've just been afraid to pay it if they weren't getting better or keeping young players. Right. So you could time it out to where, you know, whenever you sign Luka for a $35 million year, you're just basically continuing to go over that as opposed to having having to use cap room, which you would probably be freeing up next offseason with Barnes. I don't really care how they get it done. I mean.
0: Yeah. I don't – I mean, it probably helps them a lot to be flexible in it, right? To be able to go – Hey, why don't you do the qualifying or let's if someone comes to them and really wants to play here this off season, a guy that you can't say no to, yeah, then hey. Could happen. Yeah, let's let's
1: figure out a way to sort the money, but everyone's getting taken care of. But even in the starting lineup we just named, like if he's healthy, I'm talking about two all stars. Uh I'm talking about and I and I'm also talking about maybe not one below replacement level starter. Mm-hmm i don't have a uh a ralph nader or whoever the dude that they were trying to <laughs> convince me was a thunder starter a couple of weeks ago the last
0: libertarian guy
1: i ab- ran abdel nader oh okay yeah <laughs> ralph Nader. I mean, ralph nader's a, a, was a like, legend what? from the 70s yeah. for regulation for regulatory and leftism <laughs> right. purposes but yeah abdel nader
0: yeah ab paula saying, paula what? abdul nader Starting. Yeah. Uh, What are we doing here? And so
1: you'd basically, I would say at that point, Hardaway would be above average, Kleba would be above average, and Barnes would be at least average. Mm -hmm. And then if you have two guys who are top 20, not just all stars, but top 20, all NBA level, you are probably in the middle to top half of your conference. And then you add in the fact that you have a bench that you trust. Yeah. And you're not just dying whenever they leave the floor like sometimes they used to have to do in the old Thunder days. I mean, that bench is going to be good no matter what, I think.
0: I mean, if they bring back JJ, then you have just a bevy of guards you can roll out there. And depending on who doesn't start, is probably a starter quality guy. And Finney Smith, Dwight Powell. Like, I keep getting kind of like seduced into this idea of Dwight Powell playing next to Porzingis and playing with Luca because all that dude wants to do is sprint at the basket, catch lobs, and raise hell. And he's pretty freaking good at it. Yeah. Um. And that has a home next to those two dudes. Like, for sure. Like, just a absolute nightmare of an athlete that, okay, you show me the front court you want to defend these guys with. You go ahead. Like, yeah. give me your best.
1: Like, uh, rack them up. Especially, I'm really interested in, like, the start of 2021. <laughs> like, after a full year. Yeah, of them playing together. I think it could even get like I literally think if he's if if Porzingis is healthy, they could be contending by the start of 2021. And by that, I just normally mean you're in the top eight. Yeah. In the league, you're like in the top half of your conference, especially if the Warriors eventually start to, you know, if they lose KD, if your guys get a little older, if you lose one of those guys because they're not getting the designated player. um. You know, obviously you're going to have teams like the Nuggets, teams like the Thunder who seem like they're going to be around for a while, but I don't see any reason why in 2020 the Mavs can't reasonably expect to be in the top half of their conference. Dude,
0: looking at – okay, just think about it like three years from now, right? Which one of these teams that's in the Western Conference that's in the playoff picture right now would you rather have the future of? I mean, the Nuggets might be one.
1: There's there's not one unless you consider someone signing with that team, which we've already done. The Nuggets and maybe the Clippers, depending on if the Clippers are. I right don't. Right. I don't even think that. Yeah, but I'm more saying that it's the Clippers plus, you know. I mean, to me, it's hardly towns or something.
0: It's Jazz and Nuggets,
1: because yeah. Donovan, Donovan Mitchell will be Donovan like Mitchell.
0: 26, and Gobert will be like I don't know, probably around 27, 28 at that time. Three years from now, is Gobert like 25? He's got to be around there. Anyway, two players that are that stinking good, all NBA caliber, on the same team in the Western Conference that aren't aged right. I mean, if don't. the Kings play out right, then yeah, that they could be interesting. Um, <laughs> poor T-Wolves. Um, the rest of them, dude, I don't want... Like, I'm just saying the Nuggets are on that par, right? They're on the same level. Jazz probably on the same level. And Kings probably going forward are on a roundabout. I'd, I'd take our core over the Kings now. I think we've drastically changed <laughs> what the expectation is there, but... There's not really another core that I'd rather have
1: uh, in the West. It's just a matter of in the East, you know, there's a couple teams there, but in any case, the Mavericks would be top five.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's back to 50 wins to me. Like that's, that's where you're going with this move. And uh, I don't know. I've been working so much and just like producing stuff so much over the last like five days um, and getting lost in the, you know, the work of it that I literally had to come in this morning and just go to Bobby's cubicle and just go Christaps Porzingis <laughs> and happened. Luka Doncic that
1: happened fast
0: are on our team. And if everything plays right or if everyone, you know, uh, gets what their wish is, that's gonna be for a really stinking long time. Yep, and then you can get uh, ring chasing vets, right? That's and then everything gets easier. Fun, yeah. It's weird whenever you become like a top six team, how everything just gets easier.
1: Yeah, and I saw Josh Bo say this the other day, but the first time th- uh, he was the first person I saw mention it, which was somebody was talking about how DeAndre's pretty good friends with Kevin Durant. Mm, so wow, remember whenever we had to worry about Anthony was Morrow friends? being yeah. friends with. <laughs> White howard or yeah i do uh yeah, man, I do. you uh you had boogie's yeah, brother brother on the summer league yeah, team. yeah. well the other that. version of that is i'm reasonably sure that i'm never going to have to sell myself or anyone else on willie collie's time that's a big thing <laughs> man i was cause... like man again i gotta do this again i like the guy but i don't know if i that's a huge part of it too is by the way nerland's <laughs> is still balling and i will refuse to let y'all tell me he's not that's
0: honestly what this means for the center position to me is so valuable because I'm looking at this free agent center class, right? I'm talking myself into guys and then I'm also going, yeah, I just kind of want to cheat that position if that's all right. <laughs> if I can get away with Maxie there starting like let's go. I don't really want to do this. I don't really want to do the $20 million center Yeah, if that's all right with everyone unless it's like the one or two, like three dudes. they are like three centers in the league where I'm like, yeah, I'd pay that guy what he's worth and have him on my team and I'd be fine with it. I mean, it's like Gobert, it's, like, uh, it's Embiid, it's Jokic, and it's Porzingis. Like, that's the list. Those are the centers where I'm like, yes, pay him what he's worth and I want him starting at center for me. Because these centers get maxed out because they're such unique athletes and there's only like... 15 of them on planet earth yeah so you just automatically get max whenever you hit the end of your rookie deal whether you're not
1: not looking forward to that yeah
0: whether you're worth it or not um so yeah this and then you talk yourself into these centers and all of them have these flaws right and it's none of them can protect the rim that well and none of them can stretch the stretch the defense well you got the best one (laughs) Yep, you got the one you got you know one of the best catch and shoot players in the NBA at 7 foot 3 and the best rim protector by percentage in the NBA last year i i cannot freaking believe that at some point sooner rather than later we're going to get to see Kristaps Porzingis and Luka Doncic playing on the same basketball team it's
1: pretty wild it's
0: my head is going to melt My brain is going to melt and probably just seep out my nose because I'll be so happy
1: to see these dudes play together. I'm happy for you. It's awesome, man. You want to go watch the 2017 Eurobasket semifinals? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I found it today. I actually watched quite a bit of it uh, when I was doing a a Luka article before the year. Yeah. Drogic was unstoppable. Yeah. So was Luka, and so was Porzingis.
0: Quarterfinal, excuse me. The— the other thing is, I uh, I want to use this comparison before everybody, or just before it becomes too cliche, becomes just becomes hack. Is okay offensively, Porzingis is young Dirk, like there's no way around it. Like seven foot, a seven foot shooter that could stretch people out to the three point line and do a little bit of this and that, and just get buckets was the craziest thing in the year two thousand two thousand one, right? Well, a dude being 7'3", shooting 40% from three, that can mix it up a little bit on the post and get buckets however he wants, is the craziest thing in 2016, 17, 18. Dude, it's Dude, it's, it's the echo. Like, he is Dirk at yeah, that age. it doesn't... It's too... It's too poetic. It's way too poetic. And those dudes, and realizing neither one of these dudes probably ever get to the NBA or get drafted where they did, if... The other one, if 41 doesn't come first and be as successful as he was, is the craziest crap ever. Yeah. Like, all this happens because that dude. It's biblical. It really is. Like, it's, like, you can write a story, uh, an article, a think piece on it a week, and I would probably not get tired of it. Like, I know there's going to be 15 different Ringer articles that are the same exact story, just kind of titled a little different. And I'm, I'm going to read them all. I'm gonna, Dirk did it 20 years ago. It, so these dudes could get picked as high as they were. And I mean, is international basketball even what international basketball is in Latvia, in Slovenia, in, like, the Baltics, if Dirk Nowitzki isn't the sixth highest scorer ever in the NBA and doesn't win a title? Like, how many different dominoes had to fall perfectly for these two dudes to be as successful as they are in the league and be taken seriously, number one, to be taken third and fourth overall and this get the opportunity. And then
1: now they're playing together on that team. I wish we could get another year of Dirk. I know we're not going to, but. I don't know. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know. Maybe he'll be so taken by. Yeah. He just wants to hang out.
0: <laughs> he just wants to be around the guys. I mean, he'll be here. Like, whether he's actually playing in NBA games with these dudes or if he's just at practice and constantly around, yeah, he's going to be here. Um, so, I don't know. I listened to Low Post uh, with Dirk, by the way. I did. That I happened did that. Uh, Thursday or Friday or whatever it was. It was right after the trade. Um, but anyway, all right. I'm way too excited. Um, this is, honestly, since I don't even know if there's a seven months in Mavericks history that could compare. I mean, I guess Nash, Dirk Trade. Um, but that was such a slow build, like earned the right way, like fight through it. Win a couple of games in the first round. Oh, we got out of the first round, guys. Win the second round. Oh, the Kings are here. Kings kicked our ass for a couple of years. Oh, we made it to Western Finals. Sweet. Oh, we're in a finals. Oh, we lose the finals. Like that's the most natural build uh, that's ever happened. And this is just like. It's unfair. We finally got our unfair <laughs> We We turnaround. really did. Yeah. We really did, man. Well, all right. Um, we might have to wait for KP to get on the court, but uh, good God, man. You Talk, did it, Mike. Talking about swinging hard. Talking about swinging effing hard. Yeah, and they got me. Like,
1: <laughs> Boy, what a 7 point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what a year. What a year for us. No one will ever forget the 18-19 Mavs season that they got me Luca and Porzingis. So, hey, you just bring me on board. Good things start happening.
1: That's what I've learned in life. I know. You should know. All right, we'll have a podcast sometime next week. Yeah. We'll be traveling. but Yeah, I'm we'll on
0: uh, the road Sunday night to Houston, and then I got to go to All-Star Thursday, so we'll figure it out. There might be a lot of downtime at All-Star. <laughs> all right, I'll see you. Uh, all right, man. Later.